Welcome to the Reticle Up Podcast, where I, Three Gun Kenzie, will be interviewing competitive shooters, hunters, fishermen, archers, entrepreneurs, and outdoorsmen. Come learn with me as I interview people from all walks of life, in different disciplines, all across the world, from novices to professionals of all ages. No matter what, everyone has something they can teach you. So come join me on the journey. Hey listeners, I've got John Bleeger on the podcast today. He is a GM open shooter. He's won some area matches. Um, and right now he works as professional services for Mark 7. So John, how the heck are you? I'm doing great, Kenzie. How are you doing today? I'm good. You know, I actually, it's pretty bad. I can't remember how we met or when we met. <laughs> we probably shot together or nearby. I shoot between 10 and 20 major events every year. Uh, I, I hate saying it this way because it sounds like yeah. oh, hoity-toity toity and all that. But like, I get approached by people occasionally and say, hey, man, yeah, we shot together back in yada yada. And I have to tell them, like, and I'm sure we had a great time. What is your name again? <laughs> I, I've shot close to, I think, 100 major events uh since i started competing in in 14 15 time frame it's cool uh, it all starts blending together but no there's some great people and i do remember you i don't know where from but we we did uh we did interact before today yes <laughs> the cool thing is that you remember people's names not not very many we were talking about this john's a pro he wants to say semi-pro he's a pro but pros don't really remember the names of little people <laughs> but he did no there's i i I dislike that, that mentality. Cause yeah. I mean, you look at some of the people who come out of nowhere. Um, and I kind of sort of was one of those people. I didn't come from established training or the AMU or anything like that. And, you know, you start noticing these people that just start winning or start doing well, not even winning, but like, Hey man, I keep seeing their name towards the top. This is a amateur sport. This is not a professional sport. This is not covered by ESPN. We're talking about USPSA here. Yeah. Um, you know, this is an amateur sport where anybody can compete against the quote unquote pros and, 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 you know, the pro screws up or the amateur puts in a lot of work and has a great day. They kick their butt. And that's what, that's part of the reasons I, uh, one of the reasons I love this sport is because that is always out there. You can't stop. You can't slack. Yeah. I love it. It's always attainable. <laughs> and and exactly. you attainable is a great way of putting it. Yeah. And like the pros, I mean, the pros are important, but I feel like, well, I've heard this a lot. USPSA, the heart and soul of it is like the mid pack shooters, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, no, it's, so if we can segue a little bit here. Yep. So the, the, well, I'll, I'll, I'll use your term, fine. The pros, whatever the super squatters, uh, whatever you want to call it. So once you get to a certain point, you stop caring about, you know, uh, placing in your class or in your category or what have you. And that's not to say that those that your class, a class win, I still have my, my first class win plaque, you know, from, from 14 or, or what have you. Uh, but you, it's not that you don't care. It's that your focus is, is only on one thing. It is, you know, all or nothing, you know, either you win or you don't. And the, I can't count, you know, the amount of my, my peers and, uh, and myself too, but after a major event, you know, you're sitting there, you know, uh, drowning your sorrows and some of the, Hey man, what, what, what are you upset about? You did great. It's like, yeah, but I didn't win. Or, right. or they say, yeah, but I didn't win. And it's, I tell people, I stopped shooting open division purely for fun uh, three or four years ago. I haven't shot open because, you know, strictly because it's fun in a long time. And it's because I'm most competitive in it. Right. Um, and it's, 
where I have the most strengths. So, oh, you shoot open because it's fun as hell. It, it can be fun, but I don't shoot it because of that purely. Yeah, makes you competitive. It's because of that. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Um, okay, we got we totally got off segment, but I like that. Yeah, um, sorry. <laughs> no, it's great. This, this is how it goes on this podcast. Um, I'd love to dive into your background a little bit. Uh, cause for those that don't know, like, like you've been competing again at the top. So they probably know you as like this competitive USPSA shooter, which is awesome. Um, but also on the range, you know, I noticed that you're very driven self, self-discipline, you're focused and level-headed. And I think I'm guessing that probably came from your military background. So I'm going to pause you real quick. That's because you've known me in the last few years. Okay. Um, I started in this sport a little differently. Uh, I, <laughs> Yeah, I've I've calmed down a lot and become like what you just said, you know, right. try to be more self-disciplined. Uh, I started in this sport, uh, I think erratic is the most polite way of putting it. Um, high energy is another way of putting it. Uh, I grew up a little bit and, and calmed down. Um, but that's part of the reason that I was able to do what I did is because I was high energy. I was, you know, pushing it hard yeah. uh, and and got to where I am today, but that, that comes with, you know, like I said, maturing, growing up and realizing that I, let me, let me put it this way, a uh, big event. I want to say it was, it was, I was shooting limited. So 2015, good friend of mine, I ended up in the top five at the SNS 400. And uh, I was an A-class shooter at the time. And my uh, club president shot it. He's a master or was a master. And uh, he asked me, he's like, Hey man, it's like, what the hell? Like, did you go into every stage just wanting to win the stage? Like, did you push it every single stage? And I'm like, well, yeah, like that's, that's what you have to do. Right. Like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm just trying to go fast. <laughs> and, and it, it, it really comes into play there, but no, what I'm getting, uh, I've, uh, you could say I, I was undiagnosed ADHD growing up or, you know, a lot of, a lot of things that might be wrong with me, but the, the core of reason that re- reason I shoot this sport or I compete as much as I do is because for those five, 10, 20 seconds, whatever, that you're in between the beep and range is clear, there's no bills to pay. There's no appointments tomorrow. There's, there's no, you know, responsibilities. It's all you that trigger and the target. And uh, I really took that to heart when I first started competing, but I had to level that out the last few years, if I wanted to, to really attempt to win, if I wanted to try to get the focus down to make me competitive. Yeah. Well, you've done really well at that then. <laughs> I guess I didn't know you back then. Yeah, no, but no, to, to answer your question, uh, I, I did 10 years army, uh, Iraq twice, Afghanistan once, and uh, joined in 06, right before the surge, did 14 months in Iraq for my first tour, and then Iraq 12 months with a different unit. And then Afghanistan, 10 months. I volunteered for that one. That was out of Alaska. Uh, wow. There's some, uh, I wanted to see Afghanistan. You know, I'd seen Iraq twice. I was kind of bored of it. And I uh, wanted to see Afghanistan. I was uh, airborne artillery. So uh, I jumped out of airplanes a little bit and shot artillery here and there. I was fire direction though. I was not a, a <laughs> cannon cocker. Still didn't save me from minor hearing loss, but hey, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, got the three knee surgeries and uh, to prove it from the jumping out airplanes and that lifestyle. Um, <laughs> medically, I've had three knee surgeries, two wrist surgeries on my right wrist, uh, and a few things here and there. But uh, uh, I tell people I have between three and five years left of competing at this level, just due to, you know, you break your body down. Um, I've already, I've already broken my body down. Now I'm, you know, uh, going down the other end of the end of the slope here, and I'm hoping to get the most out of it. 
Oh man. What was the risk for? I saw your recovery for that for a long while too. That looked gnarly by the way. So without going into, you know, the nitty gritties here, this, it was a second surgery. Luckily uh, a guy I shot with in and had a lot of mutual friends with in, in Lexington, Kentucky area uh, was also the best hand surgeon in Kentucky, uh, Steve Umansky. And uh, he consulted the VA and, and did my surge, both my surgeries. It was amazing having somebody who uh, not only was uh, trusted, but someone who knew what I was going to be using that limb for and was able to give me realistic expectations. Yep. Um, but uh, no, the most recent surgery, the video uh, watchers can see the wonderful straight line I have in my forearm. Uh, first surgery was a simple go in the wrist joint, clean it up. Uh, second surgery was not only going into the wrist joint and cleaning it up, but also uh, cutting the ulna, which is your pinky side uh, arm bone, uh, and uh, taking a wafer out of it to shorten it to try and prevent impact with my wrist bones, and then putting in a, you know, they cut it, take a chunk out, plate it, and then I had that by around Thanksgiving last year and couldn't pull a trigger until about the end of February, but it was the right decision. Uh, I still have a little bit of pain, but not while I'm shooting. Yeah. Poof. That's brutal, dude. I couldn't, mm, that's a long scar. <laughs> no, it's, it, it's, it was the right decision to make yeah. a combination of it being an idiot teenager, 10 years service, and then, you know, uh, shooting a lot. So I, I've been asked that question a lot. Like, why did I have the surgery? Was it carpal tunnel? Everyone thinks it was carpal tunnel. No, right. um, it was, uh, essentially it was my wrist impacting with my arm bones that caused, you know, damage. So yeah. it was the simplest way of putting it. It's cool though, that you had a doctor that cared a lot of people in the sport too. Like we talk a lot about uh, prescription eyewear, right? People need to work with doctors. Hey, this is why I need to see the sites and my target and this and the yes. dot or whatever. And so many doctors, not so many, but a lot of them aren't gun friendly. You can't go in like with a firearm or with your sights. And there are people mm -hmm. that do allow that. I'm like, how cool would that be to talk and, and work with a doctor who knows and gets what you need for your body or for your eyes or for your hand? Mm -hmm. That's cool. uh, uh, on that note. Um, you're a fan as well as I am a hunter's HD gold. Brian Conley is great. Uh, I'm lucky in the fact I don't need prescriptions. Uh, yes. lenses yet. Yeah. Same. Yet. Yeah. I'm a negative 0.25 in the right eye, which is uh, as of a year and a half ago, mm. uh, maybe two years ago. So I'll, uh, I will need lenses eventually, but not yet. Yeah. But, uh, when that time comes, I'll be hitting up Brian. Uh, I wear his glasses, his lenses, uh, custom lenses in Oakley frames. Uh, I have a set of rubies as well as a set of uh, the traditional golds and it's all I use. I was wearing rubies today for the three hours of training I did uh, with my friend, my friend and coworker, Tom Carlson. Oh, that's awesome. I was gonna say the rubies are a game changer for me as well. I probably was one of the last ones to really get onto the rubies. I prefer those over golds now that I'm obsessed with them. I mean, obviously on a bright day, it works, but exactly bright yeah. day, bright yeah. day. Uh, the golds are, uh, applicable no matter what uh the rubies down here it was 93 degrees here in florida today bright you know partly cloudy and uh the rubies really make a difference when it comes to just making you feel more comfortable with your eyes yeah. but anywho no uh the no to, to answer your question you asked about five minutes ago uh military service did help with my um uh, i will say training planning we'll say or being able to identify and um, some people take really, uh, detailed notes on their training. Hey, I did X, Y, Z on this day. I did ABC on this day. 
Um, I'm not that deep into it. However, being able to take a step back, review your performance from a objective point of view and uh, identify key facts that you need to work on. You know, years ago, it was uh, loading to a big stick, you know, 170. Yeah. Uh, more recently, I'm noticing that I over transition on close targets. You know, if it's going target one, target two, two shots each, you know, I'll have a nice tight group in the Charlie uh, <laughs> on that second target yeah. because of that. So being able to identify that and then uh, make a plan to work on it. Yes, I, I do take that from the military. I take my, uh, uh, I'd learned a lot about structure in the army and uh getting out of the army as a lot of vets will tell you that's the number one thing that you miss about it is the structure knowing where you stand you know you know on a one-on-one -on -one basis with any other person and having structure for your week i do not miss waking up 4 30 in the morning to make it to the uh the meetings um but no is uh the army gave me a lot to to build on they gave me the foundation of being a, being an adult and being a man that's amazing. I think that's beautiful. Well said. Um, I was gonna say, I would hate the waking up and all that, but like going back to like that and like coaches, I never was military, but I like that they made me eat the right food, do the workouts. Like <laughs> it was like required and I was the best shape of my life. <laughs> I need that. <laughs> but, uh, uh, what did you do after you actually transitioned out of the military? Uh, I worked an odd job, you know, for a few weeks and then, uh, I ended up at a, uh, a law, uh, commercial lawn care place and it was it was all right money it was close to the house but uh it was kind of funny because i didn't know how an internal combustion engine operated before i worked there and i left with you know above base level knowledge it was great i ended up actually working with another artillery vet while i was there he's my mechanic um uh and uh ended up uh, going from there and I was seeing, you know, Hey, I was getting bored, getting, you know, need to do something. It was, it was only ever meant to be a, a, a bridge job, you know, like get me from A to B if the time being ended up being there about a year and a half. And I saw an opening on a Facebook, Facebook group of all places uh, that shooters connection was hiring and uh, uh, talked to the wife real quick. It's like, Hey, we'd have to move three hours away, but what do you think? And, she was all for it and uh, applied and had a phone interview two days later and started there about three weeks after that. And uh, I can honestly say trying to sell a house and buy a house at the same time, uh, I never want to do that again. Mm -hmm. um, um, my credit cards were maxed out and I was driving back and forth every weekend uh, to you know see the wife and dogs and get the house ready to sell. Right. During the week I was working and then looking for houses. It was it was uh, something I never want to repeat again, but I ended up with, um, I wouldn't say my dream property, but close to it, uh, 18 acres in uh, uh, Northern Kentucky. And uh, I built my own pistol pit and while working at Shooter's Connection. So I have a 20 by 20 yard pit. Uh, I can shoot into my heart's content and I can shoot to about a hundred yards into the pit. If I clear some trees, I could shoot to a buck 50, 200. Awesome. But uh it was all based upon, I didn't want to compromise anymore. If I was going to take this sport seriously and, and, and not just the sport, but the industry um, seriously, if I was going to try and make this my career, make this my, my passion, then I, I needed to stop compromising and, and be able to, you know, at a moment's notice, Hey, I need to shoot some rounds. I, I need to go train. I need to film a video after work. I need to, what have you, I, I needed, needed the resources to do it and to do it well and do it effectively. 
so those 18 acres are my pride and joy. And that, and I don't like people. I mean, I, I, I like our people. I, I like, uh, yep. you know, the like-minded people. I like, that's fine. But the, the unwashed masses, so to speak, uh, are not for me. So living in a suburb, I was blessed in my previous uh, house. Um, you know, it was all military, retired military. We we're a family, family yeah family but quiet family yep uh and then being uh, my, my folks asked me don't don't your neighbors like <laughs> care or call the cops and i'm like no they shoot too yep uh but i'll tell you there's nothing that people say they have freedom there ain't no freedom like being able to do a mag dump in your backyard at midnight exactly okay. <laughs> uh, but no a shooter's connection was great i was there three and a half years and uh uh, people ask me what I did there. Everyone does the same thing at Shooters Connection while I was there. It was everyone does a little bit of purchasing. Everyone does a little bit of, you know, uh, inventory management. Everyone does answering the phones, uh, order inputting and picking orders and sending them out the door. Uh, but uh, that crew there, I still talk to them, uh, some of them more than others, you know, weekly at minimum. Uh, they're family to me. The Shooters Connection was the best time I, I'd had in my adult life. Uh, uh, period i mean a job too it didn't feel like a job i'm sure <laughs> exactly exactly no uh the, the thing i told uh chuck bradley the owner before i left is uh it's like chuck thank you i i i've uh this was the first job i've had in my adult life where i did not fear coming to work ever um you know yeah i'm not talking fear like oh no i'm afraid but like you know like oh man i gotta go to work this is bullshit uh it, it was a great environment you know uh You'd get some some customers with unrealistic expectations every once in a while, of course. but it was it was uh, it was great. I had the freedom to try to bring products into Shooters Connection, which are still being sold there today. KKM hybrid barrels, for example, that was a project project I worked on. Um, the binary compensators, best selling compensator at Shooters Connection, uh, at least when I left. Uh, for you know, open guns. Uh, that was my project, so on and so forth. It was I'm able to pull up a website and see my efforts still really? going to this day. Yep. So, but that yep. and the freedom to shoot. Yeah, that's the dream. I was gonna say it, it's the same thing with working with Hunter's HD Gold. It's like I I can help with that, and this is not. It doesn't feel like work, I, and I love the product. That's that's the coolest thing, right? Is when you work with a place or a company that can be innovative, you know, and try new things and believe in you, and you see the work live exactly see the fruits see the fruits of your labor absolutely uh, that's that was one of the that was one of the things that drew me to uh, going from shooters connection to mark seven is seeing a company innovates you know I, i'd go back to work at shooters connection if need be in a heartbeat yeah uh but the seeing the growth the innovation and uh the you know stellar products that are coming out of mark seven it was, I already, uh, well, for those who don't know, I own serial number two Evolution Press. You know, I was a very early adopter and they had some issues when they first launched, but the uh, seeing the company not just support that, and but uh, but innovate to try and correct those problems. Yeah. You know, uh, the example that gets thrown around is, you know, you buy the first year model of a car, you know, and your alternator goes bad. Well, the engineer didn't, uh, plan for the alternator to go bad so quickly so they didn't make it super easy to remove so that year, first year model of that car to replace alternator step one remove engine you know and then year model two and so on it was much easier to remove I, you know it had a space for you to get a, a, a wrench or a drill to remove it 
And that's where I see Mark Seven is yes, you know, mistakes get made in, in engineering and production, but what really tells about a company is how they react to that, how they support that product, you know, immediately after and in the future. And I see that at Mark Seven, you know, uh, I, I've I've probably have a quarter million cycles on my press, you know, between loading ammo and processing brass and and what have you. It's uh, it's my workhorse. The number one reason why I bought one in the first place before I had a relationship and before I knew really what the product was is I have a very minor shoulder injury, but um, I was tired of pulling a handle. You know, the the reason why Mark Seven exists can be summed up in a very simple. Uh, question, at least for the, for the sport shooter, how much is your time worth? Yeah. You know, everyone's time has a value to it. And, you know, whether you're a lawyer or you're, you know, in retail uh, in sales or what have you, your time has a value. Yep. So for me, it's, Hey, I need a thousand rounds to be able to train this week. I go to the garage for an hour and I'm done. Mm-hmm. And then I go back inside and I sit down and play video games or hang out with the wife or dogs or whatever. That's what my, I decided that I don't want to pull a handle anymore. It hurts. And my time is worth something. Therefore I made that choice. Yep. It's awesome. It's the same thing on, on any cycle of technology. That's why I studied in, in college, but like think about Apple. And if you're going to be on the early adopters, you just expect that there's going to be changes and updates. And then you get the laggers at the very end that finally buy into it. And by then it's like, yep. they're on the next thing. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. The, we have the, uh, uh, the Titan series, which doesn't really apply to the sport and, you know, to that, that range is more industrial or commercial operation, mm-hmm. but the Titan will be able to load up to three, 338 Lapua Mac, which if, if you've never seen one of those in person is it's, it's a, it's a step down from a 50 BMG, but it's a big step up from 308 <laughs> or, or out six. So that's the next step for us. That doesn't really apply to, you know, what we're talking about today. But it is, you know, a big sign that innovation is continuing. Right. Uh, we just launched the uh, Primer Express and Apex 10. Uh, Primer Express is the first consumer grade um, automatic primer, uh, not collator, excuse me, pr- primer feeder, I guess you could say. Yeah. Uh, you know, instead of being a vibratory bowl, it's a oscillating side to side shaker table, so to speak. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's mounted to your press. Oh, cool. No more primer tubes. that's that is innovation you know um and i don't i mean i mean let me put it you know in in pure terms i don't hate dylan nobody at mark seven hates dylan we don't we buy we get some parts from them they get some uh, and you know we have a relationship there is no hatred or animosity between dylan and mark seven none yeah okay uh there is competition there is uh you know, the desire to outsell the other or to outproduce or out innovate. Um, but that's one of the reasons I went Mark seven in the first place is Dylan hadn't innovated in 20 years. Sure. So, um, uh, at, at the end of the day, I'm a consumer, you know, on a personal basis, I'm a consumer making ammo for competition. And that's what I, I, I want cool stuff. You know, I, I, I want to, I want to see something cool. Like 10 stations. That's great. And that's what yeah. drew me to it in the first place. That's but awesome. no, there's, some people think we hate Dylan or, you know, we want to see them burn or something. There's couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah. Yeah. So going back, um, transitioning out of the military, like you said, you had no plans to go into the firearms industry, like whatsoever. It just happens. <sighs> That's yes. And no, <laughs> um, getting, uh, when I first exited, uh, I had just started, I'd only been competing for about a year and a half. And, uh, I, I just wanted the job. 
you know, getting out, I wanted something solid, something stable that I could plan around and that would, you know, match or be around the same income I was uh, generating when I was in. I, I exited the military as a staff sergeant, E6. You know, my wife and I were used to that income level and to that, uh, uh, that, that standard of living. Um, so that was a struggle that was in 16. And uh, I started looking in January, I think I started applying and uh, I must have had my expectations a little bit too high because that the amount of callbacks wasn't there. Yeah, I was artillery. You know, I, uh, how do you transfer that? It's like, hey, I know how to do, you know, base level algebra and get around from a from here to, you know, up to 18 miles away, but not much else, you know. Military is like not being able to plan your transition and not being able to have, I guess, applicable skills or that people recognize those skills either and see what they could be of value in a different sense. You know. So on paper, a, a veteran, especially a non-commissioned officer, should be great. They have leadership skills. They have planning skills. They're going to be on time, so on and so forth. Yep. But at the same time, uh, the, the military creates a mentality, creates an attitude of that's a little harsh compared to civilian life. You know, uh, and that's why you know, my first job, first real job out of the military being with a vet was very helpful because it helped you know, me, uh, transition. That, that's a great word transition. Hey, you know, you want it to be a nice gradual, you know, uh, transition, not a jolt yeah. and, uh, dealing with, with customers. And I, I have to put it that way. Cause you're always dealing with them. You're, you know, customers see it as, Oh, you're helping me, but there it's <laughs> some customers have the mentality of I've been wronged. What are you going to do to help me? What are you going to do to make this right? Yeah. Um, and in the military, the, the mentality you get driven into you is get the mission done. You know, uh, it's a little more, I don't want to say gruff, but it, it's, it's a harder line. You know, it's a, this is what needs to happen. Make it happen. There's, there's not much room for wishy-washiness. And yeah. compared to civilian life, it's a little bit different. Yeah. So, I mean, looking back now, do you feel like you're just living the dream life? Like where you are now, did you ever plan that or imagine that this would be your, your job? It was about a year after I got out that I saw the, in, the gun industry as being where I wanted to be. But I'm, I'm, I want to take this time to warn anybody who thinks they want to follow that path is the important part of the phrase gun industry is not gun. It's industry. Okay, the uh, my coworkers, you know, I I think there's just myself and Tom who regularly go out and shoot. You know, the gun industry is more about industry than it is about guns. Yeah. Um, the person who's assembling or machining, you know, it, it's a machinist job to them. It's an yeah. assembly job for them. It's a sales job for them. What have you? It's not a gun job for them. So while you will find more satisfaction than doing the same thing in a non-gun industry job, it's going to be the same thing. And, and take comfort in that because it's not like you're walking into a war zone. You're not, you're not coming into an industry that is so different. But also, you know, uh, take into account the fact that this is still an industry in America uh, that is either manufacturing or marketing. So it's simultaneously different and the same. Yeah. Uh, but no, the, the main reason why I went into the gun industry in the first place, you know, Shooter's Connection and then Mark 7, is because I felt more comfortable. Yeah. You know, I, I, I didn't need, I'd already done all the research. You know, I, I was a gun nut since I was 10 years old. <laughs> uh, 
And I was able to take comfort when someone brought something up and explained something. I didn't need to pull out a book or reference material to have a basic understanding of what they're talking about, whether it's a machine gun, you know, or a, or a pistol or a shotgun, anywhere in between. You have that background information. Yeah. Which you need. A lot of people need. It's still really, like you said, people look on the outside, right? And I'm sure you get this all the time. Like, oh, you're in the industry. This is so cool. You work in the industry. Like your life must be awesome. We do cool things, but it's not an overnight success. And it is still a lot of work. And I am never off work. <laughs> I'm no, I, I, I would, I would phrase it slightly differently is that you do cool shit, cool stuff every once in a while. This is true. And shot show, no. you know, and <laughs> no, no shot, shot show can go to hell. <laughs> Are you going uh, this year? Uh, yeah, I'll probably be forced to go next yeah. year. Uh, I went to Shot Show as the person that I hate now, uh, back in seventeen, and uh, but then I went as part of my job in nineteen and twenty, and uh, the the difference between who I was in seventeen and who I was nineteen and twenty. Nineteen and twenty, I was there to do a job. I was there to purchase to you know uh, sign purchasing agreements and do research. I was not there to walk around trying to get sponsorships or to, to, right. to see cool stuff. I was there to work. So the people like who I was in 17 pissed me off. Like get out the way, get your milk cart, you know, milk cart, uh, milk crate out of the way. Stop oh, walking the aisle. Yeah. Stop walking up and trying to get free samples of, of stuff you're never going to buy from. Right. Okay. And let me, you know, purchase $50,000 worth of product, please. Uh, and then, but I'm going to be transitioning to, so I was there as an individual. I was there as a purchaser with Mark seven. And now in 2022, I'll most likely be there as, you know, a booth, you know, operator, you know, yeah. operating a booth and answering questions. So I, I will have seen, you know, the three main types of, 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 uh, attendees, but no, the, what about the media? Not the, not the people that take the video. Oh, sorry. That, that, that's, that's the fourth. I, I never want to be the fourth type, you know? <laughs> I won't tell you what credentials I applied for for SHOT Show. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, coming back to you, um, I want to know about your, your childhood. You see, you're a gun nut by 10. So who did all that? Like, where did you learn uh, all the firearms stuff? My parents were L.A. sheriffs in the 80s. Oh. Uh, and we had a, I grew up in central Washington. We had a cabin in Montana, Missoula area. And wow. uh, we'd go there during the summers and some winters. And uh, around eight, nine years old, my dad started te me, teaching me uh you know, gun safety and, uh, taught me with a real firearm. And then, uh, I asked if I could walk around the woods with one of them. And he said, not until you've walked around with this BB gun for a while yep. and, uh, made some mistakes and then eventually earned the, uh, right to privilege to walk around with a, what was it, it was a Marlin tube fed 22 semi-auto with a, like a tap, you know, uh, rim fire scope on it. And, uh, it, it was great. It taught me gun safety. And then it was an SKS in 762 by 39, chopped down a tree with that thing. Wow. Uh, That's cool. And it didn't really uh, catch up with this sport until I was around 15 years old. I was dating my wife. And for those who don't know, I've been married 12 years uh, with the same woman for 17 total years. And we met at church camp uh, back in 04. And uh, her dad, if you, if you ever heard of the boomer shoot, ever heard of it? The, no, the boomer, boomer shoot like revolver boomer shoot, yeah no 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 it's a event in central idaho where okay. you go out and shoot at high explosives at yeah. between 300 and 700 yards uh uh that event is ran by my father-in-law 
what okay and do you have to be a boomer no 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 the the, the term boomer shoot is because boom, boom. You, know, you shoot oh, I was thinking, boomers i was thinking yeah. a different generation oh my yeah. god no 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 uh, baby boomers are not holding the targets no um <laughs> okay so that's but cool. uh he runs this event every year still goes on uh i think there was i, I can't remember if it was canceled last year or not because of covid right but uh yeah it still goes on uh, he has the proper license it's not tannerite it's a little yeah. more powerful than that a little more stable uh and not no not as much work involved but uh the he has the bunker he has the atf you know permitting and all that that's not my my realm but uh that's my father-in-law that so i uh, the the joke is i i married into the uh the industry yeah. but he took me to my first uspsa match in uh outside of moscow idaho back in 15 and uh i thought you know i played halo you know i did all this i i can shoot i learned how to shoot I'm, i'll be fine it was a very humbling experience but uh it gave me that little that little extra push to be a gun nut um to be really and I, i've always been interested you know watching the history channel as a kid with my dad uh the like it or not and i know most of your audience is gonna like it but uh firearms have had a very very high impact on history over the past hell 500 years yeah. um you know if you look back you know firearms development has given an advantage to country A or country B or, you know, throughout, throughout the last, you know, five centuries, you know, warfare has been affected or sorry, countries have been formed. Countries have fallen based on weapons development mm -hmm. and, and employment. So, you know, the mechanical background I've loved uh, the historical background. I've loved the metallurgy, everything. It, it, it's interested in me for years. That's so cool. So that's how you found the world of competitive shooting. Yeah, yeah, between the father-in-law and my and watching History Channel by dad is, is the, the short answer. That's really cool. Oh my gosh. And the History Channel, have you watched like the Machines That Built America now, the new segment that they have? I haven't had cable since 2008. So I don't have that. cable either. I have internet, which has the History Channel app thingy. I don't know. <laughs> oh no, no. I, I haven't looked that far, no. <laughs> okay. Anyways, I digress. Um. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to talk about with the shooting stuff. So like you said, uh, a very humbling experience for the first experience. Um, even in three gun, when I bring new shooters to a major match, I'm like, don't expect this to go as you think it'll go. Or like for yeah. all classifier matches, I went to one and people like, you're not going to overclassify. If anything, you're going to underclassify because it's, it's a horrible experience. It really is. <laughs> yeah. So how did you kind of get through that? Probably the first beginnings, right. And then start enjoying shooting. You know, you weren't discouraged from it. You just wanted the to keep going. The easy answer is I didn't, sorry, I didn't actually compete. I, I was there to prove that I would, could be safe and effective with my carry gun. I didn't, I didn't care, you know? Yeah. They slapped some more mags on my belt, but uh, I'm still drawing, you know, I was carrying a single stack 45 with 10 round mags or, you know, I had 10 round mags for the sport, but I was, my goal was to know that if I had to use my carry gun, I would, could hit the target and, and not be, you know, not be dumb not be, you know, uh, you know, hit someone who didn't deserve to be shot. So, you know, I was 21, just got back from Iraq the second time. And I, wanted, I just shot once a month. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was a much more eclectic gun collector at the time. I had a pretty wide variety. But, uh, you know, the, that was the point. I didn't even look at scores. Hey, did I, did I place above the bottom third? Cool. 
you know, rock and roll. Mm -hmm. And then I went to Alaska and deployed, came back and I got really into it. You know, I started reloading, you know, cause I wanted to shoot more often. I got, I shot twice a month, one, one USPSA, one IDPA for a month and got to know uh, the people there. And I think I, I was classified a C, I think I was initial classification was C class. And it took me a year, year and a half to get out of there. Yeah. But uh, that was in 13. But uh, funny story uh, in Alaska, I still talk to and shoot with people I uh, shot with back then. Oh. Uh, yeah. Ken Rose. I don't know if you know the name. Yeah. He is uh, the NCYC at the, uh, on the instructor side of the AMU. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'd take your shirt off your back for that man. I hear okay. awesome. Awesome. He is, he is an amazing person, soldier so and man. Like so quiet, yes. you wouldn't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've been but, shooting uh, he helped... matches with him for a while too around. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, I bet he took uh, took your candy a few times. <laughs> uh, he he's he was who helped me get my start. You know, a little bit of advice and and all of it. But uh, he helped me get into actually competing in the sport. You know, at major events too. But uh, my first Florida Open in uh, fifteen was with him. You know, we carpooled and all that. But no, uh, the getting into it. You know, the equipment didn't matter as much initially because I just wanted I just wanted competence. I, I, uh, in the army, you know, I, I did the M nine qualification, you know, late and they're like, wow, man, you, you did great. It's like, yeah, this is the easiest test in the world. What the hell's wrong with you guys? And like, where'd you learn to shoot? I'm like self-taught, you know, I just, you know, and that, that brings up, you know, we can go into this a little more later, but you know, about, you know, built in aptitude, you know, yeah. Hand-eye coordination plays a big part in our sport, but, uh, I just, I, I was kind of obsessed you know, it was, it, my wife could uh, wish I would stop talking about it, but uh, the, what come down to, what it comes down to is at that time in my life, shooting was my, was, it was one of the foundations of keeping me sane. Yeah. Uh, especially being in Alaska, you know, I can't just drive and visit family. I can't, you know, you enjoy the outdoors. I hope so. Right. Uh, Cause you're going to get a lot of it. A lot. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, no, I, shooting kept me grounded. It, it kept me, you know, it's a, an attainable goal. I was lifting a lot of weights at the time. So that was my personal, just me thing. Um, I was uh, always, I'm always dating my wife. So it was, you know, that was my, you know, with, with my wife thing and, and competition shooting was my proving something to the people around me. It, it, that was the social aspect of my life besides the army. And uh, it, 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 it worked out. It, it really did. Yeah. I tell people all the time. It's really my, my mental health is going to a match and shooting with people. I've, and like you said, with is a great way of putting it, it is. And like, uh, I turn my phone on airplane mode. Now I'm getting very conscientious. Mm -hmm. of, that's my time. I paid to be there. Why am I worrying about outside stuff that I can't do anything about while I'm there? Like I need to enjoy yep. it. Um, yep. going back to something you said too, um, like not caring or caring, but not caring, you know, when you get started about where you are, you're just having fun, you're shooting. I think what changed, I guess, when you start getting a little bit more serious is that you're walking around checking all your targets. You want overlays calls. You want to know your time. Like you're actually, that's when you care. I tell people, if you're not even running with the targets, you're not even serious about it yet. Right. You're not even, you need to go, you know, look. And, and there's a few aspects of what you just said, you know, uh, uh, for those who don't know, I'm, I'm CRO qualified. I've worked major matches over the years. Um, I've helped set, you know, I helped start up a club at Fort Campbell, 
Um, I'm not saying this to be like, oh, I'm, I'm super awesome. It's like, I, I, I'm saying I've paid my dues. Right. I, I've, I've been around it. And uh, the, when it comes to walking, like what you just said, walking and checking your targets, there are usually two different, man, maybe three different minds of it. You know, one is like, dude, just, just relax. Like your score is your score. Mm-hmm. And then there's the realization that people are human. Mm-hmm. And they make incorrect calls sometimes. Yeah. And uh, the then there's the third where the opinion is if you ask for an overlay, you're a dickhead. Absolutely not. Or or I get there's that. a line. There's a line, and and it took me a long time to realize this line. I I was a dickhead. I mean, when it came to it came to like saying, oh no, that, that's a double. At the same time, I've shot so much. I have had legitimate doubles. A hundred percent. You know, like they do happen. And, and the pr- uh, proper answer to that is, can I have the RO, you know, overlay, please? Can the CRO look at it? Can you pull it for the range master? Let, and then that's it. Yep. You don't say anything else because you, uh, the, that new shooter on your squad or that experienced shooter is looking at you like, yeah, man, yeah, right. Just accept the mic and rock and roll. Yeah. Uh, but I have, I, I still have the A's, the cutout A zone above my reloading bench at my house of the most perfect double I've ever shot. And it was at two yards, which made it, you know, more acceptable, right? you know, three yards or whatever, but it took the range master a good minute to be like, Oh no, there actually is two there. Yeah. And I wouldn't have asked for the range master to look at it. If I hadn't watched the video, which you can't use in arbitration, you know, for, right. yeah, you know, for better or for worse, you can't use it. And I didn't see my arms move. I didn't see the gun move. And it was at two freaking yards. Right. So, like I said, there's two aspects. There's two, two opinions. One is you want to, you know, you, the shooter want your score. You want it to be better. Obviously you don't want, you don't hate yourself. You want to do well. <laughs> and then there's the other aspect of like, Oh sure. It's a double. Uh huh. So frustrating. You know? Yeah. And I've had one, I've had one and I've had somebody else where I've had to ask them to ask their RO in a major match. I'm like, this is your, this is your right to the shooter. And it was a double. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, no matter what you do, as long as it's within the rules, be respectful. Yeah. Uh, understand that the, and this isn't aimed at you. This is aimed at, at everybody. everybody. You yeah. know, the second you start yelling or, or, you know, being a dick uh, to your RO, you lose any of that respect. You, you lose the ability to say that, that you're, you're in the right, but, uh, and uh, hell I, I was on freaking, I was getting filmed by shooting USA single stack nationals last year. And, like, if you hadn't said it was a mic, if you just pulled me away and said, hey, man, you have a mic down there, I would have said bullshit. Right. Because, you know, I was shooting minor at the time. So it was a wide open target at like 15 yards. And I'm like, alpha, alpha, you know, pulling the trigger. And at bare minimum, you know, alpha Charlie. If you had said alpha Charlie, yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, shit right. happens. But they walk in and say alpha mic. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> I was like, look at it again. And shooting USA. So what's going on right now? And I'm trying to think uh they say it's a mic and i say it's not like how do you uh, politely say that awkward yeah and then i I get the call you know the call is alpha uh, to alpha uh, at the end of it and they come up to me again it's like so what happened it's like in my head i'm going they said it was a mic i called bullshit and i won like what do you want me to say here (laughs) but the uh, i'll say two things one doubles do happen and if you're an ro or cro you need to be aware of what to look for to make sure that you give the shooter their score and number two is if you think you have three doubles in a match, you're wrong. (laughs) 
uh, and have a good attitude, be an adult, be respectful. Yeah. Uh, and it took me a long time to realize that. And I'm kind of upset. It took me so long to, to, to internalize that. Well, it's any sport you think about again, football, basketball, baseball, there are going to be BS calls and you're just gonna have to live with that and, and own it and move on. We're not going to get hundred percent across the board, but yeah. that that's when I can tell the difference between people as I walk around, even I shoot a little PCC now and walk around. Like I want to see every target. I want to make sure, but the difference, and you know, this between an alpha and a Charlie, especially with minor power factor is huge. And like mm -hmm. Charlie or Alpha and Mike, that's massive. That can, I mean, you see it at the top with you, at least not with me, but that can be the game changer win for the match. Mm -hmm. So no, 100%. Uh, I had a, I'll tell you a little story here. Area eight back in 17, I, I, I won the match by uh, a pretty small margin. I want to say 25 points, 20 points over 14 stages. That's pretty small. Yeah. And uh, the, I had a screw up. I totally forgot to target and I should, my, the score should have been two Mike one FTSA and the score was, and the, the, basically the RO couldn't be sure that it was that I actually didn't shoot at it. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't, you know, I was back loading, loading mags or whatever. He didn't give me the FTSA. He just gave me two Mike. And I kind of felt bad when I realized that he didn't give me the FTSA, but then at the end of the day, I won the match and I looked at the scores and I used the competitor app and I put in an FTSA on that stage and I still would have won. Right. I felt a little bit better about it. Right. But, uh, and, and that's a really hard discussion to have, you know, yeah. like, and, you know, uh, RO gives you a better score than you earned. Mm -hmm. You know, the question comes up of, you know, I, I'd struggle to say it's about integrity. It's their job to call your score. It is, you know, and so if they give you a better score than you earned, you know, the right answer morally is to stand, is to stand up and say, no, no, that's not an alpha. That's a Delta or that's not an alpha. That's a Charlie or what have you. Um, but it's hard. Mm -hmm. It really is because mm -hmm. in that moment, you know, and you may or may not have one of your friends looking at you, like, are you going to say something, buddy? Like, and it's, it's one of the hard, hey, this sport is hard when the shooting aspect, but I think that's harder. Oh, 100%. Have you seen that? Did you see the go fast, don't suck meme that had the approve and it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The... <laughs> That's what we're talking about. That was this week. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Awesome. yeah. And, and Bill Duda's a, 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 he's a friend of mine. He's, he's yeah. a great guy. I, I got my jerseys from him, actually. He is a. Me too. I love the yeah. tags. <laughs> yes, the tags were a pleasant surprise. Mine was, it looked like a new safety rule or whatever. And then, oh, like something like your, your mom's like disappointed. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> and Adam was, uh, was like, your wife is right. I think, or something like that. I love it. I shot with him at nationals. He's fun. Um, okay. Going back to, you started out shooting in, you said C class and you're shooting single stack, right? Uh, L10 actually at the time. Uh, yeah. That's why I shot at nationals though. Yeah. Okay. Cause that's the only gun I had it for, but when did you change like divisions and start shooting in other things? And you said it took you about a year or so moving up, like how fast and where did you go classification wise? So, so to give you the, the, the short and sweet started shooting ish in 13 or sorry, got uh, I joined USPSA in 13 in Alaska shooting limited, I think, and shot limited all 13 and 14. There were some major, major matches in Alaska did well in the first one. It was an outlaw uh, steel match. And then two months later was the Alaska uh, sectional level one, but it was the Alaska state match, you know, and uh, that was actually my first time meeting JJ Rakaza. And I'll never forget what he told me. Uh, he watched me shoot 
and I had no idea who the hell he was. I think I remember eh, he was on Top Shot, I think, whatever. And uh, I knew he was the pro that being flown up there for a class and, and stuff. And he looks at me and goes like, man, are you trying to turn that double stack into a single stack? Uh, because I was gripping the living hell out of it. And at the time, <laughs> I was really into powerlifting. I mean, okay. uh, I was benching 385. I was deadlifting over 400. You know, I, I was in the best shape in my life, you know, in that regard. So when I applied grip pressure to something, it, you could see it, you know, you could see, you know, my arms, you know, acting on it. And uh, I'll never forget. And, and, and he remembered me a year later and it's kind of was like, yeah, now I'm shooting with them. Like, JJ is, JJ is my hero, by the way. Like I am not on the same level as JJ. Yeah. You know, no one is on the same level as JJ. Yeah. He is an amazing human being and shooter. Uh, but you know, uh, shot limited 13 and 14, uh, moved uh, to, to Kentucky uh, Tennessee, Kentucky in mid 14. And I was still C class. And my goal was like, man, I just want to make B. I just want to get out of there. Mm -hmm. And uh, a friend of mine uh, who he was on the Olympic rifle team when he was on, when he was 18 years old, What? when he was 19, he was on the Paralympic rifle team, mm. rock climbing accident, paralyzed from the waist down. Mm. And he invited me to his home and he gave me some good pointers. You know, we were having some beers and he's like, Hey man, you have potential. You just need to do X, Y, and Z and like focus on like, you're better than you think you are. You need to fix these things and you need to get out of your own head. And I don't know what it was. I took a break and then two months later, boom, I made B class. Nice. And then uh, I saw my friend Ken Rose signed up Florida open. And I was like, Hey, I want to go shoot a big event, you know, an actual big event took second B class. And I was like, Holy shit, this is awesome. This is fun. Like, honey, I want to do this as much as I can. <laughs> and like this is something to drive me to get me motivated yeah. and i did and uh area six i took uh first b i think and then it was off the races but essentially to give you the rundown uh was at 15 i was shot limited all year made master right before nationals or no it was right right after nationals one first a class i had traded into an open gun right before nationals i'm saying hey screw it i'll shoot open after limited I shot a better percentage of the winner and better placement in open than I did in limited after not, I, I had literally had a hundred rounds through that gun, no training with open. Yeah. And uh, I was like, well, shit, I guess I'm an open shooter now. <laughs> uh, and then 16, it was off the races. I won my first level two match in April or May at the Cowtown Classic. Uh, and 17 won area four and area eight uh and i haven't won an area match since then but it's been a lot of close calls and i'm you know competing at the top yeah. but it's uh, basically what it comes down to is i i went through a mental i i broke through a mental break you know it wasn't that i wasn't training enough it wasn't that i wasn't dry firing it was it was me holding me back and we talked about you know uh aptitude a little bit ago there is an element of aptitude of of natural you know call it call it natural talent if you want yeah. Um, I, I am under no illusions that, you know, oh, my training regimen was what made the difference or, you know, whatever. No, no. Like there is some, some, some God-given thing going on with your hand-eye coordination, your ability to, yeah. to manipulate something in your hands. Uh, at the same time, you know, I think people cut themselves short when they think that, oh, I'm dry firing, nothing's happening. And I think a lot of it is mental. Oh yeah, I, I really the mental game. That's that's what mm -hmm. this is. <laughs> uh, my favorite saying is, uh, and this, you know, people ask, you know, friends of mine, hey man, like, do you have any tips for X, Y, Z and shooting? 
And like the best advice I can give you, and it takes, you can't, you're not going to become an overnight success for me telling you this. It, you have to internalize it is there is no stage before this. There is no stage after this. There is only this stage. Yep. There is only this moment. There is only this target, this trigger press, you know, like be able to internalize that. And eventually you make it a subconscious effort Yeah. Um, is I, I, I can't, I'm not going to teach you how to get to that point. However, once you internalize, that was the breaking point for me was internalizing that phrase, you know, of trying to put away, put in the, you know, deal with it later category in your head of what happened before this or what's going to happen after this. Because like I said, this sport for me is there is nothing else in my life between beep and range is clear. So that's, I can't tell you why I, you know, it was overnight, you know, so, so, you know, came out of nowhere, all that, except for the mental aspect. That's really cool. Travis Tomasi taught me that the two weekends ago, taking his class, it's subconscious is most of where things are at. You got to train your brain and yeah. Mental game. Well, well, if you, I forget the, what the chart is, but like there's, there's a unconscious, uh, sorry, sub uh, unconscious incompetence. Then there's unconscious competence and there's conscious incompetence. And then there's uh subconscious competence, That's you know, like you, you go through the layers, like, you know, the, the person who doesn't know what they don't know compared to the person who can draw and shoot and do everything without thinking about it. Right. That's where you need to be. That's where the beep goes and you need to be able to have those subconscious actions or else you just go back to whatever you, yeah, had. Yeah. But, so, okay, I want to get your advice or for this, like new shooters, um, how important is it for them to come out, run what they've got, you know, shoot their carry gun. They might not have the fanciest stuff, but how important is that for them to just go out and get their first match under their belt? It's extremely important. And it's also very hard. It's very hard for someone who has, you know, Glock 19 or, you know, insert, you know, carry uh, appropriate carry gun here uh, and go out to a USBSA match with people shooting, you know, with, with against, you know, uh, an open gun and being like, oh, I need one of those, you know, like, no, at the end of the day, your first match is aimed at finding out if this is something you want to spend time, money, energy, blood, sweat, and tears on. Mm. So, you know, forget the investment. Go out, see what it's like. And, and that's why I, I really dislike people who try to, you know, hammer, you know, brand new shooters. So safety is a totally different thing. You know, don't, yeah. don't take it a safety aspect, but like, oh man, you need to shoot this ammo or you need to do whatever, you know, you need to buy this gun. It's like, no, man, like this guy, like, do you know how expensive this sport is? Like, it's bullshit. This sport is freaking, it costs a lot of money to do this crap. Yeah. Uh, so someone who's coming out and you tell them 200 rounds for a local match and you're like, Holy crap. They freak that's out. a lot of ammo. Yeah. We're like, mm-hmm. especially in, in, in right now. Yeah. So no, it is extremely expo- important. Run what you have. Uh, I, uh, I, I need to do it. You know, if I was, uh, back in Kentucky, I'd be doing it, you know, in the winter, but, uh, you know, running, I think USPSA shooters, all of us should at least once a year run a match with your carry gear. Oh yeah. It's good practice. It's fun. And now we can legally in USPSA, but not in IDPA draw from. Yeah. Oh, no, no, it's you be an open, you, you can draw from appendix and open. you can always draw from appendix and open. Yeah. Uh, I, I carry a Glock 19 in appendix carry, yeah. uh, you know, add some mag pouches to your belt and, and go, 
there's a guy uh, in Kentucky, uh, John Curris, uh, C-O-U-R-I-S. Uh, it's all he shoots is a Glock 19 from either appendix or, uh, or strong side. But man, that guy smokes people. Like he was shooting limited because he had to, you know, for his carry method. Right. Anyway, the at the end of the day, like if you carry, like this sport is supplementary to that. You know, you may shoot a different gun, but uh, having confidence, like I said, where I started, I just wanted a confidence in my carry gun setup and my my ability is how I got started in this. Um, and uh, there's a down here in Florida. There's a every holiday. Uh, weekend so fourth of july labor day etc there's a concealed carry match and it's 10 stages five rounds you know and you're strongly encouraged to run your carry rig so i do just that i I wear street clothes you know uh and i just have my my carry gun and appendix and i won the last one took third the one before that had some misfires with the ammo i was using never shoot somebody else's ammo is all i'll say about that uh and uh, the, you know, if you win, it's like a hundred bucks payout, you know, cool. but there's payout, payout, you know, 10, 15 or 20 bucks, you know, throughout the list. But uh, it's all five round stages and it's all, it's got movement. It's in your, but you're drawing from concealment under pressure 10 times. Yep. And it was a great validation that my stuff worked, that I did know how to draw in my street clothes and that I could hit something with my carry gun, even though I, shooting open yeah absolutely and i mean like going back to if you come out and you're buying all this fancy gun you might come out and carry optics and absolutely hate that gun and hate that division right borrow if you can or try shooting other people's guns before you invest all of that i mean it took me years ago 2011 but i would never have invested three thousand dollars or four or whatever at the start right that's dumb Mm -hmm. unless you have the money have fun with that (laughs) no no and and that's the money is not going to buy you placement Okay, it may get you more liability. It may get you. I I, I won two area matches with a CK Arms gun. Yeah. You know, I I uh I did pretty well with limited shooting a uh you know used uh Freedom Gunworks uh limited gun six inch uh, forty limited gun. Um, I used a borrowed ca- uh, gun for for Care Optics Nationals. I used a Rock Island single stack and took top ten. You know the uh Travis Tomasi you know, yeah. did extremely well with a Remington, yeah. you know, these, uh, uh, Nils Jonathan shoots a Koenig. I love the Koenig girl. <laughs> I love yeah. mine. Uh, uh, Jessica and Nils are great people. I'm glad to know them. Yeah. Uh, I mean that they're, they're good people. Oh, they're the, awesome. I got to spot him at the six and he was so chill and he even just had the one mic was still at the very, very, very top. I'm like, how do you do that? <laughs> yep. Uh, uh, the, an open, I would say the only division where you really you need to care at least at a base level about equipment is open. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, in open, like you need to have, you don't need top of the line stuff. Uh, Brian Jones uh, shooting a Caspian that was, or he was anyway, that was built in the nineties. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, the, you know, Oh, I need this comp and all this. Like, yeah, you need a good comp. Do you need yeah. the absolute best comp? No. Do you need ammo that works? Yeah. Do you need the absolute best? You need to load 3N38 because it's the absolute best powder. No. Uh, I was shooting in, in 17. I was shooting a CK gun in nine major with auto comp. Okay. Oh, wow. uh, and, and today, if you ask me about my opinion about auto comp, I'll tell you is the worst nine major powder you can buy. It's 
it's relatively clean and meter as well. It's consistent, but everything else is bad, you know, <laughs> in my opinion, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and still did fine with it. Cause it comes down to experience and comes down to train like yeah. Nils with a CK arms gun or not CK, sorry, uh, Koenig. Yeah. Uh, the, it comes down to you at a base level, your skill, your competence and your comfort with that firearm. Yeah. At the same time, is Nils going to win if he picks up a freaking, you know, Glock 26? You know, uh, probably not going to do okay. as well. So, is it appropriate? Is it reliable? Are you comfortable with it? Those are the, those are the three criteria. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So for you, um, what was the tipping point for you to actually like set your sights on taking this seriously, going to win matches um, and all of that? Oh, man, that's a hard question. Probably in uh, probably early 16, around there, uh, when I picked up open, you know, full time and uh, and saw how well I was doing relative to people who put a lot of effort into it. Uh, open, open compared to any other division, you know, open is faster. You know, you have all the benefits. You have Macwell, you have Red Dot, you have Comp, you have major scoring. Um, the the main difference between open and any other division is that every advantage you have, everybody else in your division has that advantage as well. Mm -hmm. So a, you know, I, I get asked, I shot a local match uh, last uh, yesterday and I was shaking my hand head at the end of a stage and like, man, what's wrong? You did great. And it's like, ah, I biffed the load a little bit. I was erratic and here and there. It's like, dude, that was fast. I'm like, yeah. However, next weekend when i'm at area eight that's not going to be acceptable right you know it's not about whether or not i win today it's about what is this representing because yeah. a an uh oh, give a great example comparing we'll say limited to or not limited we'll say single stack to open which is a, a huge difference i know <laughs> but if you biff biff a uh, reload in single stack okay that's that sucks but it's not the end of the world All right you biff a load and it costs you a second in open you know, we'll say it costs you a second. We'll say your penalty is one, one full second in single stack versus open and single stack. That stage may be a 15 second stage mm -hmm. and open as a 12 second stage. Yeah. Or 11 second stage. Yeah. Okay. So your, your deficit is much greater. If, uh, if you make a mistake in open, you know, against heat of any, of any, of any type and, you know, around you, like it costs you more. And that's part of the reason why I love it is, is, is it's Formula One drag racing. Yeah, it is. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, deltas may not cost you as much as shooting production, but the you have to flow, you have to be consistent, you have to, you know, you know uh, not be a rat. You, you have to be predictable. Your gun has to work. Yeah. You know, all these things matter more. Yeah. The yeah. margin of error is so much smaller, and that's part of the reason why I love it. Hmm, that's cool. So when you were setting up like a training regimen, you know, to go into area matches and start getting those, those titles in 17, what did that look like? What did you do? Uh, so people ask me like, Hey man, how much do you dry fire? It's like, and I didn't dry fire that much. I just shot as much as possible. Uh, at least once a week I was uh, live firing at an indoor range every weekend I was shooting a match and, or, uh, I was, I was training. Um, uh, the main thing comes down to identifying what you suck at the most and working on that particular aspect. So a yes. uh, big problem I had in 16 and 17 was if you, you know, if I shot an array of four targets, 
you know, Bob, you know, eight time, eight shots. If I had a mic, I promise you it was going to be on the last target. Cause you're ready to move. So, yeah. Cause I'm pulling off that target. So yeah. I'm paying attention one, two, and three. And then on the fourth, it's bang alpha or whatever. And I'm pulling off as I'm pulling the trigger and it's, it's going into the dirt. Yeah. And you, you see that with some people, but the, the way I, I worked that out was, uh, shooting those arrays a lot, shooting pairs, you know, shooting a pair of targets about, you know, and saying solid and watching the dot lift or the sight lift on that second shot before I snap my eyes. Yeah. And, and that can lead to his own problems of over confirming. But if you're having this problem, you don't just say, Hey, you don't just accept it. You try to identify and isolate and correct that issue before you move on. Yeah. It's not fun, but you need to work on what you stack at. <laughs> yep, exactly. It's awful. Um, and, and obviously the, the results speak for themselves. You went all the way up to GM now. So what, um, what are you working towards? I guess the next title, like, what do you really want to achieve? So it's a, it's a, so talking back about my wrist surgery again here, a uh, problem I noticed um, last year before the second surgery. And then also this year is, is grip inconsistency. So the, um, Easiest, easiest way to put it is, especially in open, you can see a lot about your hits. You know, if you look at a target, you can uh, glean a lot from that target. So if you have a nice tight group, but it's in the Charlie, mm. okay, that tells me that you either over-index or under-index. Your index was wrong, essentially. Yeah. Uh, your, your index in that target, whether it was coming into that target by itself or, you know, that was the last target in an array, your index, you transitioned incorrectly. You did not get a good A zone index on that target. Um, and that's something I actually, I shot close to 500 rounds today, this morning, uh, training up for area eight and trying to identify that uh, and work on that in particular. Uh, the, you know, so you can glean that. So a problem I've had is grip inconsistency. So what the symptom you'll notice if your grip is, is uh, inconsistent is you'll see uh, wide horizontal spacing. Okay, you'll uh, in open, and we're talking about open primarily here, but it's also applicable to other divisions, but not quite as much. Is uh, so if I see two Charlie and they're you know they're opposite left and right side, that is either I was transitioning across that target as I fired both shots, or my grip was so inconsistent that I, you know, fired one and then my grip wasn't solid enough for the recoil and I fired another on the opposite side of the target. Uh, I had a big problem with this last year. In, in a, I'd have one center hit and then one, in, one in off the Charlie, you know, both uh, parallel to each other horizontally, but uh, not, you know, not vertically aligned. They weren't, they weren't close to each other on the vertical plane. And uh, so working on that and essentially what I came up with was, dude, I just need to crank down on my left hand. Because mm. I was, what I realized is post first surgery and also post my second surgery is I was, taking note of my right hand pain and, and discomfort and i was trying to crank down with my right hand so hard just, you know, like, no, just dig through the pain crank down but i wasn't doing the same thing with my left hand and some people will tell you in open you need to crank down with your left but kind of leave your right hand a little bit relaxed so you can be able to pull the trigger faster if you tighten up your right hand a whole lot you're going to lose the ability to to pull fast splits i mean is it that important not really but it does apply so i was overcorrecting with my right and undercorrecting with my left. And what I noticed that was I was shooting left all the damn time. Mm. I was shooting left, shooting left, shooting left. And uh, 
you know, you shoot enough in the black on hardcover targets and it hurts you. Yeah. you know, it cost me, and it cost me a match or two last year. So that's been just answer where I'm working towards. It's working towards being consistent with my grip pressure and overcoming the injury and recovery to the point where uh, I'm I'm, uh, shooting good points. And uh, so essentially what I've been doing the last two months or so is alpha hunting is what I call it. Okay. Especially at locals is I'm trying to shoot as many alphas as possible, but I'm not trying to over confirm, trying to find that good balance. Yeah. So uh, I won Ohio State this year, Kentucky State, and the Doc Welton Memorial match. And I think I had a 95% points at Ohio, 94% at Kentucky, and either 93 or 94% at Doc Welt, partly because I was alpha hunting. I was putting so much emphasis on that equal or consistent, I should say, grip pressure yeah. to where, you know, if I pull, you know, even if I'm pulling, hey, I'm not pulling 12 splits here, I'm pulling, you know, 15, 17s. But they're too alpha. They're more than more than more, uh, and I'm not just that, but I'm able to call when it's not an yeah. alpha hit. Yeah. So to answer your question, I'm working on that grip consistency. I like it. I think the can you speak to maybe like the progression of shooters? I feel like I could be wrong in this assessment, but like they start out pretty much with you see a lot of manager equal problems, right? They're like the planes, this and that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And as you get better, you you are trying to get the the splits. Sometimes I guess people focus on, and then people are really looking at like what you're looking at, alpha hunting or really transitioning and making sure not overrun or underrun and all of these things. So I feel like the difference is also being able to call your hits, like knowing when your sights lift that you were on target. Um, yep you know, and all of that. Can you speak to like the progression of maybe a shooter? <laughs> so the step one is being safe, obviously. Yeah. But uh, the the saying that took me a long time to really realize how important it was, was, and I, I, I can't remember where this is from. Someone can probably tell you later on, you know, if this goes live, yeah. uh, where it's from, but uh, you need to see faster. Yes. It took me a long time to realize, like, I was like, what the hell are you talking about? You can only see. So what, and what it really comes down to is being able to process the information subconsciously quicker, more quickly. Um, The, you know, what did you see in that split second from pulling one shot to pulling the second shot regarding side alignment and dot. Uh, And when you're, a great example is carry optics versus open. I am much more cognizant of where that dot is when the shot breaks in carry optics than I am in open. Yeah. Yes, I want alphas in open, but if I throw an alpha Charlie, as long as that's not every target is alpha Charlie, like who cares? Right. Right. Uh, so you need to see faster comes down to processing speed. And it's not about processing speed so much as your brain, your eyes have seen this scenario so many times you know what the result is going to be. Yep. So it's not even hand-eye coordination. It's getting used to, you know, this, this, uh, this problem set or this, this uh, scenario in front of your face. You know, I saw this, I've seen this X many times. I know what, you know, I know within a reasonable certainty what the result is. Right. You know, uh, a new shooter is not going to yeah. be able to, they're going to be like, I don't Correct. know. You know, like, what did you do? I don't know. It's like, okay, well, <laughs> we can't even self-assess. Yeah. I don't know. Like, cause, Cause they didn't process what was happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's why I, I am a firm believer in that uh, red dots are a wonderful training tool yeah, and an assessment tool because they're able to see, are they dipping the muzzle? You know, they're able to watch the bouncing little red, red dot mm-hmm. and see what it does. And uh, you know, as they're pulling the trigger and uh, the, on a side note, that's 
why it's kind of hard for open shooters to admit they have a mic or whatever uh because like no the dot was somewhere in the brown but did you process you know as you're pulling the trigger as you pulled off the target yeah you know yeah yep. everything happens so much quicker you have to be able to process it more quick uh, more quickly but no the the new shooter it's I, I some people may think this is wrong but i think carry optics is the best thing that's happened to our sport in a long time the dot helps it changes a lot of things it forces the eyes open i think pcc is the same way for me it's like i'm processing yeah. faster seeing it and moving and it makes me faster now no, forget, forget the training aspect it yeah. keeps people around it does you have a new shooter who gets told hey you have a glock shoot production did you see They're, the registration for that for nationals it's, it's like 80 percent carry optics and like 20 percent pcc <laughs> yeah yeah it's it, well you look at the benefits of it factory ammo yeah. factory guns minor yeah level minor. playing field no major minor differences yeah it's a yeah. lot no uh, carry optics you know i uh, I'm, I'm i'm shooting carry optics nationals but it's more of a prep for for open than it is anything else i mean yeah. if, if i take top 10 in carry optics i'll be i'll be a you know Static. a pig in mud uh <laughs> And there's there's so much heat and carry optics these days compared to two years ago it's crazy yeah and, and I, I i love it i love it you know the the gm who says i won when they were the only gm there you know in their heart they're like well that's kind of a hollow victory it, it, right. I, you know i tell my peers this and my peers feel the same way i want to win when we both have a good day yeah, I wanted to ask you that. Um, out of all the matches that you've shot, you know, what what has been like maybe the most meaningful win or the one that like, like you said, it's not a cop out because somebody was sick or didn't show or whatever. Can you remember that favorite like match win? Uh, it's probably area four because it was, uh, uh, so those of you don't know, Car Cody Baker and I are, are we're, we're friends. We're in the same area. So uh, any given, you know, local major, you know, Ohio, Indiana, uh, Kentucky, Tennessee, you know, that, that region, uh, I will expect to shoot with Cody Baker, maybe Andrew Hyder, and, uh, and one or two other, depending on who shows up, but Cody and I shoot together a lot and he's taking a break this year from what I understand component shortage and, and focusing on work, but I'm uh, pretty sure he'll be back. But, uh, area four in 17, uh, he, he and I were squatted together and he, he made a few errors. So did I, but uh, the, you know, going in the last two stages, we, 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 we keep track of points. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it's not a, <laughs> I'm ahead of you, man. No, it's a, both of us pulling out the calculator, you know, like, okay, knowing where we stand. Mm -hmm. And which is one of the few places where, you know, keeping track of your hit factor matters. Because yeah. uh, if, you're, if you're anywhere but, you know, expecting to win, uh, not, no, sorry, not expecting to win, but, you know, in the running to win, like you kind of need to know where you're at the last two, maybe three stages. Cause you need to know if you should push it. If right. I'm, if I'm behind by five points, that's very different than I'm behind by 50. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm behind by 50, it's shoot solid. Hope he screws up. Or, you know, if I'm behind by five, it's like, crap, I kind of need to go for that, you know, try and shoot that swinger on the first, it's first presentation as opposed to, you know, first and second, you know, it, it changes my decision. If I, if I do nothing, I lose. Yeah. Is what it comes down to, yeah. but, uh, keeping track. And I was, uh, I wasn't a, you know, a perfect lead, you know, going into the three stages away, but I was, it, it, I remember it now it was a standard stage turn, draw, shoot, whatever rounds, reload, shoot, whatever rounds, strong hand. 
and uh, Cody shot before me and had a flub. I think he, I think he flubbed a reload mm. and I'm like, okay, I was ahead going into this stage and I just need to shoot solid. So I remember watching my video later and, and uh, it was exactly that. It was smooth and solid, boom, load, shoot and be done. And I knew I had essentially won at that point. Like if I don't screw up, there's no way he can make back 40 points wow. in the next two stages, as long as I shoot, shoot uh, consistently. Yeah. And it was the first time that I had used that, that mental management. I hadn't gotten, you know, freaked out. I was, I was calm. I was smooth. And yeah, in the last stage I was, I remember thinking to myself, I was, it was almost like I was watching myself shoot from behind my shoulder, Cool. you know, because I didn't have the pressure. I just needed to, it wasn't the pressure of, Oh crap. I need to not screw up. It was the opposite. It was just do your thing, man. Just do your yeah. thing. And you win, you just do your thing and you're an area champion. And it was one of the, it was the first time where that all came together for me, not just shooting wise, but mental. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a win. Do you think it, you like, it's helpful to shoot against the, maybe the person that you're trying to beat, like the top, or do you think it's better to not be on the same <laughs> squad? I think at the end of the day, it is a benefit uh, yeah. because you know where you stand, you're shooting in the same conditions they are. Uh, there, uh, great example, a few years back, uh, national championship and super squad shot facing into the sun on wow. one stage, on our first or second stage. Frostproof. And uh, yeah, frostproof. And it was hell. <laughs> Every single person on the super squad had at least one Delta or one mic. Dang. Everyone. Some yeah. people had two, two Deltas, some people had two mics. It was horrible. Yeah. We didn't win the stage. Somebody else did. And I was talking to them later. And they're like, yeah, man, I won that stage. And I was like, yeah, you didn't shoot facing into the sun, Yep. you know, and trying to shoot a 20 yard partial, you know, while crouching, not crouching because you have to shoot under a port, but just try to get the sun, you know, behind the berm yep. to be able to see. Uh, and I, I don't hate the person who said that, you know, I get it. Like, they're proud of it. They should be proud. Mm -hmm. But it's you know, being able to shoot with the person that you're up against is important, purely become from conditions. And I'm not saying that an MD should force, you know, GMs to shoot together. I'm just saying that it, it can be a benefit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Knowing when to throttle or, or knowing when to gas it. <laughs> knowing if a door is open for you or not. Yeah. Yeah. Which is bad to like secretly be like, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You find yourself going like, yes. Oh, I'm an asshole. I'm like a horrible person. Yeah. I'm a horrible person. Yes. <laughs> Oh man. Oh, my buddy, Ryan, um, I borrowed his PCC one match and that was the first time I've ever shot a major. I don't shoot PCC, but I almost beat him in his own gun. He'd already shot the day before. And he's like, I want to be excited for you because you just burned the fuck down, but I really don't want you to beat me, <laughs> especially with my gun. <laughs> like, yeah, it's going to happen. Uh, 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 Brad Balsley, uh, AMU, uh, runner up to the Olympics in one of the shooting disciplines there. Uh, I talked him into borrowing my pcc to shoot the pro-am a few years ago and he won pcc he's so and i was like you son of a bitch he wins everything with blocks too that's how i met ken though is through brad <laughs> yeah yeah brad is uh brad's a goofball brad yeah. is a freaking goofball yeah he is oh man um okay going back to like the title studio and the mental stuff which you were talking about what mindset does it take to win um and to I guess all the mental stuff, blocking out distractions, focusing on your stage, all of that. Like, can you train that? Double plugging, double plugging helps. Mm, okay. Uh, so putting plugs in and then your mouse over that can help drown out the other distractions. Uh, I can tell you when you're uh, in the hole or on deck, double plug, start ignoring your friends yep. and 
uh, start visualizing, you know, I don't mean visualizing like where your feet are going to be. I mean, like, what is your sight picture going to look like? Like, what are your hands doing? Like the more detail you can visualize in the, uh, I'm not going to say it's going to help you necessarily, but it's a great step to getting in that, in that mode, in that moment. Um, the, the other thing is if you go off plan, get back on plan as quickly as possible. Yeah. You know, uh, the, it is a lot mental. It's not something that I feel like I can like, you know, say in a podcast and boom, you're going to be an overnight success. It's, it's that uh, be cognizant of your own limitations. And I don't mean like, Oh, you suck at X, Y, Z. Don't, don't push it there. I mean, cognizant of what you suck at and work at that. Be real with yourself. You know, uh, like I mentioned earlier with big stick loads being my problem. You know, I, I don't even notice when I do a big stick load anymore, not because I'm an amazing, super duper person, you know, who shoots. So, oh, my God, I'm amazing. But because I worked at it, yep. because I said, OK, I suck at this every single training session. I'm going to integrate this. Oh, but John, you're an overnight success. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh, it, it's uh, identifying what you, you know, uh, in the army, we have something called the OODA loop, O-O-D-A. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's a loop. It's a constant circle. Um, and, uh, you're going to orient yourself to the situation or sorry, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to observe, you're going to orient, you're going to decide, and you're going to act. So you're going to orient yourself. Okay. What am I, I'm, I'm shooting right now. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to observe. Okay. I suck at this. Okay. I'm going to decide how to fix it. I'm going to act. And then I'm going to start the cycle all over again. Mm. And you can apply that to the stage as well, you know, which is much harder to do. I'm not saying to do this, but you know, you could technically do it. But it, being real with yourself and your training, not just your, your performance, but your goals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I spent most of the day, I spent three hours on the range today. I shot 500, 600 rounds with my, with my coworker and I had goals coming in. Okay, I want to get better about my index. I want to work this. So I'm going to work drills that specifically make me struggle on index. Yeah, I call it the gauntlet drill going left and right and left and right as you're going down a tunnel or down a corridor. Yeah, because, you know, you can fall into that trap really easily of just red on brown pull trigger twice. Right. Um, So uh, orient yourself with what you suck at and go from there with with the ways to to correct it. Um, Taking a class can help a lot because having somebody else, you know, uh, Tim Heron is a great friend of mine look up his class. You know, I'm sure he can help you. I hate teaching fundamentals. I teach movement here and there. Well, Travis um, class helped me out. When you were talking about um, processing, he was forcing where we had our eyes closed. We're down here, our guns here. And as soon as we're pushing out, opening our eyes, pulling triggers as fast as possible. Can I process the sites where am I lined up and that they are on target and call my hits mm-hmm. all in the moment. You're not looking at the sites and the target and all of that. It's, it's that middle ground of all of it fast enough to move on and like blind transitions or another. So I am that was cool. That was yeah. Cool. That's and where Travis I, is a great guy and good instructor. Such a good teacher blew my mind. So I've had a lot of dry fire drills and stuff that I've worked with him and he took the barriers away. So like, if you've got like the blind transition of two stacked um, barrels and you're going from target to target, why do we slow down? Because we're afraid of this transition faster and the target, you know, it's going to be there. Mm-hmm. Just, it's cool. I'm going to be there someday. <laughs> oh, it, it, and that's one of the great things about this sport is that you have that, that, uh, not glass ceiling. You have that, that staircase, Yeah. you know, and like, yes, 
physicality comes into play. Yeah. You know, like I said, I have, I have three to five years left before my knee needs, you know, is not up to it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have a knee replacement in the next 20 years. I promise. Okay. And you know, I'm not broken yet to the point where I can't shoot, but it will, you know, slowly but surely creep up on me to the point where it does uh, greatly affect my shooting. So the, the main thing is that, uh, you realize your limitations, but work within them and and try to overcome them. Uh, That, that guy who, excuse me, uh, that uh, mentor who was paralyzed, you know, he still made master and still challenge. So cool. In a wheelchair. Yep. You know, is he ever going to win still challenge nationals? Uh, Probably not. Yeah. But he still achieved more than a lot of other people did who had both legs. Yeah. You know, and me. Yeah. So working within your limitations and also and max and maximizing the ability to uh, maximizing the ability to take those into account, you know, uh, and work uh, a good good example. So if you know you suck at something, okay, limit how much you do that until you've been able to work through it. So let's say you suck at long range steel. You, hey, okay, that player acts 20 yards. I have the option to run up on it. Let's just plan for that until I've had time to really work on that. Yep. You know, so you're maximizing your match performance while also reinforcing yourself that you are going to work on this so it doesn't become a, a limiting factor down the road. Later. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's a good example. Um, okay. So you shoot and work a little bit, right, with Rafferty custom guns? Yep. Yeah, I got one of them. One of my twins uh, right here. Uh, Tell me about the gun. All the things. So, uh, this is actually, uh, I mentioned earlier, the KKM hybrid project, uh, this uh, shooter's connection. This was part of it. Uh, so I hold the camera here. Uh, binary, uh, three-port compensator, KKM, five-inch overall length uh, hybrid barrel uh, with the cut-down slide. And uh, in this case, a Chile uh, extra aggressive uh, grip, Koenig hammer, EGW internals. Uh, and, and on this gun, these guns, the Range Panda uh uh, convex thumb rest. So this has been a, a winning com- combination for, for Rafferty from uh, performance wise. I had a buddy who owns four SVs shoot it the other day and he was like, what the hell? That's the best. That's, that's almost the same as my gun. And it's, it's a good comp. It's a great combo. Um, the hybrid barrel, a little more weight, binary comp, really efficient. Uh, some Things that Rafferty does that some other Smiths don't is a lot more attention to detail, you know, blending. But uh, the main thing is his tri-top, for example, does not extend. It's a partial tri-top. It doesn't go all the way back. Let me see if I can show the camera here. It doesn't, it stops right about here before the lug. So you get a little more reliability, um, longevity, because you're not putting, you're leaving all the meat you can above the locking lugs, stuff like that. But when it comes down to it is, uh, I bought my first gun from Pat back in end of 17, right, my, right when I started working at Shooter's Connection. And uh, it was, I paid full price. Mm-hmm. I, you know, talked with him a lot. And I realized that Pat met all my requirements. He was willing to build a hybrid, knew how to build a hybrid, did not get involved in Facebook or social media drama bullshit. <laughs> he was communicative and he was a good person. And it was someone I wanted to associate with. So I had my first gun from him and by the beginning of, I think, 18, uh, we had an arrangement, but he, he was a friend before any of that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I guess I'm sponsored by him. We have an arrangement, but I, 
I love shooting his guns. I, I, I paid, I don't get these guns for free. I'm not, you know, you know, it's, there's a difference between someone who's sponsored and, and has an arrangement with someone. A great example is uh, Pat and I have an arrangement where if I need work done and I know ahead of time I'm going to need that work done, I don't get priority treatment. It's, hey, man, I'm going to be sending you my gun, you know, this is the deadline on, on, on this date, you know, to can you hold my place in line. Right. Uh, kind of thing. And the the biggest thing you get with Pat is communication. He's going to tell you what you what if you screwed something up when you're shooting the gun or loading the ammo, he's going to tell you. But he is learning something new every day and he likes creating a quality product. He puts more time and effort into hand blending each of these guns than I thought possible. But the if you see me on the range, ask me. I'd be happy to let you put a few rounds through it. But he's gonna the biggest downside to Pat is he only makes so many guns at a time. He has a this is his side gig and he pays a lot of attention to it, but he only has so much time to do. I think he does five gun batches. Cool. Okay. How, um, how long has he been doing that? Uh, he's been building guns for six years, I think Neat. down there. Neat. So. so do you know, like the wait time, if it was a year or, uh, it's between nine months and a year right now, I yeah. think. Yeah. And that's a whole industry anyways. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's everybody, but, uh, well, let's just say that Pat can't, uh, he's been backlogged that much for a year and a half now, two years. That's cool. It's before that, before all the nap, yeah. the craziness. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nice. Okay. So going back to, to the industry too, I know we talked about Mark seven shooters connection. I wanted you to share, like if someone wanted to go and work in again, industry, not necessarily gun industry, but industry, (laughs) what advice would you give them? Be realistic. So don't come in with an expectation that you're going to be paid to shoot or paid to shoot a lot or paid to shoot guns at all. Or have have the time. Yeah. You know, you're the, the, like I said, key word in that phrase is industry. Mm -hmm. Um, But be be ready to understand that it's a market with its own limitations and demands. So, you know, the, the running joke that we have in, in my department is $500 client versus $550,000 client. You know, the $500 client has all these expectations, like, please, we're trusting you, all this, that, and the other. And, and the $50,000 client says, money sent, thanks. Yeah. You know, uh, and you see that across, that is not gun industry specific. Mm-hmm. So with, uh, with the gun industry though, you have to be ready to understand that the client you're or a customer is, this may be their carry gun. This may be their work gun. This may be their doodad that they think is going to make them make GM. Right. Okay. So as opposed to someone who, you know, buys a car and the alternator goes out, you know, the expectation is maybe not, you know, greater, but different. Um, and when you get into the industry itself, you know, you can start affecting, it's, it's hard to put it into really, really uh, slick words here, but uh, as you are, I'm sure are aware that the second amendment community or the gun community, we like to eat our own. We like to put people on blast who may or may not deserve it in the industry. And we are, we're loud. Uh, so keep that in mind before you decide the industry is for you. Uh, and, and, and I'm still in the gun industry, but the, the reloading industry is slightly different because yeah. it, it it's not the tactical community. It's not the competition community. It is, you know, it is cross boundary when yeah. it comes to the, the industry. So it's a little bit different, but, uh, you know, seeing the difference between commercial clients and consumer clients is, is very telling. Um, you know, the commercial client, this, if this machine doesn't work, they lose revenue. 
They lose the ability to put food on their table or pay their bills compared to the consumer client who they have a lot of money tied up in this product or they've invested a lot of money in this, in this product and they're having an issue and but and they may not be able to make ammo for that match this weekend. Like, dude, that's not your mortgage or that's not your, and that's not, that's not saying at all that we won't give the same you know customer support, but it's something to understand. Like in the industry, you have much different expectations within the same market. Sure. You know, if you're an HVAC technician, you know, the working on the HVAC from Walmart versus the HVAC for the guy, everyone doesn't want to sweat. Their, their expectations are pretty similar. The gun industry is a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. hundred um, percent. Okay. So what are your overall future goals in shooting and working in the industry? Like what's next for you? I think I found my home industry wise. Uh, I want to continue this, this line. Um, the innovation, like the second amendment is not going away anytime soon. As long as we keep doing our part. And as long as you're alive and I'm alive and, (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, so continuing work in this, this sector is where I want to be, you know, it's, it's, it's fulfilling, Mm -hmm. uh, shooting wise, uh, I want to keep competing. Uh, I might change divisions down the road, you know, not today, not tomorrow, not a year from now, but eventually. And, uh, it gives me something to work towards. It gives me something to, to keep pushing towards. And at the end of the day, that's why I do this. It's a reason to get up in the morning. It's a reason to put effort in, you know, um, yeah, back in 13, when I started competing, I had three things that kept me rolling, lifting weights, my wife and, and shooting. Love it. And if I hadn't had all three of those, I don't know. I was in a really, really, really rough time in my life in that time for various reasons. And if I hadn't had those three pillars holding me up, I mean, I don't know where I'd be today. I really yeah. don't because that was a very very rough time in my life. So, you know, the reason why you compete Kenzie versus somebody else competing or myself competing might be totally different. You know, Hey, this is time away from the, from the, from the house, you know, whatever, versus I want to get better with my carry gun and I want to be tactically proficient versus someone like me who wants to win. They're all equally valid. Yep. However, but what you get out of it is going to be directly proportional to what you put into it. That's, that's across board on anything you do. I think in life, just about natural talent out, you know, but <laughs> yeah, yep. that's amazing. Um, any final thoughts you want to leave listeners with? Don't get wrapped up in your own head. I mean, this the, at the end of the day, if you're leaving a match, whether it's a major or a local and you're feeling like shit, you only have yourself to blame. Okay. So how you react to yourself is going to depend on, is going to reflect in how you feel about it. Um, learn from yourself, learn from, from each other. It's, it's just a match. Okay. It took me a long time to really wrap that around my head. Okay. But you know, if you're going out there to get better, you know, and you, you screw up, take notes, work on it, take it as a goal. If you're going out there to win and you, and you don't same thing, take it as a, as a goal, learn from it, take notes. Uh, but that can apply to life too. You know, yeah. if you're still walking, you know, walking upright, you ain't in the ground yet. You can still learn and okay. you can still apply that energy forward. So you get what you put in. Well said, well said. Well, any shout outs you want to give to um, sponsors or people that support you? Yeah. March seven reloading. If you want to step your reloading game up, load, like you mean it, let us know. Uh, and we can help you out whether you are wanting to automate your 1050 or 650 or wanting to load commercially we can definitely definitely help you out uh rafferty custom guns there may be a backlog but it's worth it 
uh, Shellshock Technologies, uh, the cases I use, uh, they are uh, the only cases I use for nine major and they're a little bit stronger than magnetic. I want to check them out, see if that's what you're up to. And lastly, uh, LA Police Gear has been supporting me for about five years now. Uh, I wear their shorts every time I shoot, their Vapor EDC shorts. Uh, shoot me a message on my shooting page, John Vlieger-shooting, and I can get you a discount code for that. And, oh, almost forgot, Seymour, uh, <laughs> American-based company, making optics, started the sport. So check them out. And uh, if you need any of those things, chances are Shooters Connection carries it. I love it. Yeah. And you already said social media handle. Do you have a website or anything else or just go to Mark? Go on the website currently, uh, Instagram at go shoot win. Uh, Facebook, uh, John Vlieger dash shooting is my shooting page, but uh, be happy to answer any questions. Uh, hit me up on Instagram or on Facebook. And other than that, man, be safe and get out there and shoot, find some primers and shoot. Love it. Well, thank you so much for your, all of your insight. I learned actually a lot myself. So Till next time, we'll do it again. Thanks for having me on, Kenzie. Absolutely. Next time you hit your goal, we're going to have you back on and tell us how you got there. Yes, ma'am. All right. Thanks for listening um, and tune in on the next Reticle Up episode. Thanks for listening to the Reticle Up podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Follow along on social media at Reticle Up or 3 Gun Kenzie.